Coming up today on the Lead to Succeed podcast. It's so important to understand how the world is, is working and how the, you know, the workforce is working and how the economic life is working. And I think that, you know, understanding that, I feel that I have, you know, the obligation to give all the others these opportunities and this knowledge about what I just said. Do you want to learn the tricks that top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help lead to succeed. Picks the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices. Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed episode 97. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Batsheva Moshe. Batsheva is the GM of Wix in Israel, the leading cloud-based website creation and development platform with over 220 million users worldwide. She also serves as chairman of Yotzmot Atid, a leading NGO that empowers women from underserved communities to establish small businesses and to become economically independent. Prior, Batsheva managed Poalim Hightech, the banking arm of Benka Poalim for startups and high-tech companies. Bacheva was also CEO of Unistream, one of Israel's most influential and impactful NGOs that narrows the social, socioeconomic gaps by empowering youth and young adults from underprivileged communities to establish startups and integrate into the high-tech industry. And she's a great friend of former Lead to Succeed guest Hillel Fold. Bacheva, thank you so much for joining me today on the episode. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's really my pleasure, and I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. And I, I mean, I just read a mouthful, so there's a lot in your bio. I'd love to unpack it. Your journey is fascinating, and of course, it's varied as well. So tell us, how did you get started? How did you get to where you are today? Okay, so uh, I did have an interesting journey, um, born and raised in Elkanah in the Samaria, I don't know if uh, people heard about this place. Uh, by, my, by, by the way, my father is American, made Aliyah to Israel when he was about 25. So we were like a very Zionist family, you know, talking about values and everything. Uh, by the way, we weren't talking English at home because my, my father came to Israel in order to speak Hebrew and not English. And we always were mad at him because of that. Uh, but, you're, not doing, uh, you're not doing so bad. You're not doing uh-huh. so bad. I could, I could do better. I could do better. Okay. And anyway, we'll keep talking. Uh, anyway, uh, so I was, uh, so I actually started uh, my journey at Neakiva, which is a very large uh, youth movement, uh, as a leading uh, branch, head of a branch uh, in uh, some small city in Israel. And that was actually my first time uh, in a leadership role. You know, I was 18 years old, but it was so meaningful for me to feel that I can, you know, empower others, uh, make an impact, make a change. And I think, you know, even though it was like many, many years ago, it was very important for me. And after a very successful, meaningful journey and I, I decided with my, uh, with my husband, Shai, that we want to build our first home in a social activity, trying to, you know, make Israel better, influence a volunteer. And we start, we decided to join a young community in Akko, uh, which is a part of a chain of young communities that uh, were established all over the periphery of Israel and try to do, you know, good things from the inside of uh, those towns. Uh, and it was 
a very open eyes uh, journey, you know, uh, learning about new communities, understanding the gaps that we have in Israel. And there are so many big, wide gaps uh, that I, I didn't really understand before. So we, were came, we came there for a year. We got stuck there uh, for eight years because it was really hard, you know, to make the decision to leave because we felt it is so important to be there, to be a part of the community. Uh, but eventually we weren't planning on, you know, uh, staying there for, for such a long term. Uh, and there we started building our house, our family uh, started learning uh, at uh, Haifa University and uh, started my journey in the NGO sector. Um, worked in so many different uh, nonprofits, eventually got to an amazing organization called Unistream, which was a very small, very unique organization. Uh, and found myself a few years after pretty, pretty much by mistake uh, in the position of the CEO. And for the first time, I was really responsible for something, you know, larger, larger than me. Uh, I think it was like a few sizes uh, larger than my abilities. And I had to fit myself into that position. I was 29 years old. Uh, and uh, found myself at the top of uh, an organization responsible for everything, you know, for the strategy, for the fundraising, for the people, for the teenagers that were participating in the organization. And it was a life-changing experience for me because it was amazing. And it was, it did, it did so great, much, much, much more than I ever thought I could lead something to, towards. And the organization has grown uh, over and over and over again. Uh, more money, more uh, investors, more partners, more activities, more programs, uh, more locations in Israel and outside of Israel. Um, and after a few years doing that very, very intensively, uh, I didn't have anything in my life except of Unistream, even though I had two little amazing girls that I never seen. Um, I understood that in order to to create a larger impact, I need to understand the business world and not only you know, the nonprofit world, because eventually the money or uh, the business world um, allows those NGOs, you know, to move forward. Uh, and I understood so, that. Everyone's, so if I could, yeah. for if I could for a second, by the way, yeah, this is awesome. And, and I want to, I, I want to get to be able to unpack a little bit. And because I know there's a lot still to come, I thought I'd pause for a second. First of all, give you an opportunity, um, you know, just to keep collecting your thoughts as you're going. But a couple of things I want to mention. First of all, for those of you not familiar, B'nai Akiva, which Bacheva mentioned early on, is um, an incredible organization. I'm not going to get into all the specifics, the charters and where it was, but I will tell you on a personal level, I was, I guess you'd say, I don't want to say indoctrinated, but I was certainly introduced to the, the values of B'nai Akiva, both in terms of the school that I attended, which was an independent Jewish school in Manhattan. But I also attended a camp by the name of Mosheva, which is a familiar camp to many um, Orthodox Jews, both in North America and elsewhere. And B'nai Akiva is really the, the centrality, if you will, the lifeblood of that camp. And so of all of the institutions that I recall being part of, whether as a student, as a camper, or as an adult, I don't know any that is as, quote, invested in its mission, where, you know, you wear it literally on your sleeve, um, you know, the clothing, uh, how you have your, uh, your, 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 your uh, assembly around the flagpole, uh, the songs that you sing, everything, it's like, you know, we, we, this is who we are, and we're not embarrassed to be that. 
And I think that there's a certain, I guess you'd say identity and pride that becomes integrated into it. And I'm sure we could talk about it, Bacheva, maybe we'll come back to that. Uh, but you said a couple of other things that I thought were really neat. Number one, you talked about sort of becoming a CEO by accident, um, sort of falling into it. And I write about this in my book, where my first leadership experience, I was a mashkiach, which means I was a kashrut or a kosher supervisor, if you will, at a restaurant. Uh, my friend's father um, owned a supervisory agency. There was a restaurant in Upper Manhattan that wanted to be open on Saturday evenings and needed somebody to be physically present. And so I was hired. I didn't really know what the job entailed. I show up over there. All of a sudden, I get this phone call. Some guy says, you have a call. I, I pick up the phone. I thought, who's calling me at this restaurant? It turns out some woman who wants to talk to the manager. And for often, for a variety of reasons, people who are the mashkichim, these supervisors, often take on a secondary role because they're getting paid anyway. Sometimes they manage the cash register. Sometimes they do something else. And apparently, I was the manager. And I had no idea. So I kind of fell into leadership that first time, having no idea I was even in the position. You at least knew you were CEO, even if you don't, didn't know what that meant. And that was really cool. And one of the things I'd love to unpack, I'm just sort of putting it out there of things I'd like to discuss with you, is that transition from nonprofit to the business world. So those are my little interjections for the moment. Let me hear the rest of your story, and then we'll come back to it. Okay, so, uh, so I understood if, uh, in order to make the next step, of becoming an influential person in much larger scale. I need to be in the business world. I need to understand that world, to the, the terms, you know, the values, the way it works. And eventually I felt that I came to the top of the NGO world. You know, Unistream is one of, it's actually one of the leading organizations in, the, in Israel. And everyone were looking at me as like the, you know, the social leader. But eventually, when they were talking about business, I wasn't a part of the conversation. Uh, and another aspect is that I did so much fundraising. Really, I raised uh, tens of millions of, of uh, shekels per year, and it was it was really hard. But eventually, I understood that you know, if I could be the one that you know giving the money, the the my my way to create an impact could be even much larger. So I decided uh, that I'm going to move to the tech industry. Uh, and then uh, again, pretty much by accident, I had a meeting with the former chairman of uh, Banca Poalim, Oded Eran, Zichrono Livracha, uh, which have met me a year before I, I left Unistream and asked me, tell me, what are your plans? What are you planning for your future? And I was telling him, listen, I'm not talking about it, but in a year from now, I'm going to move to the high-tech industry. And I explained why I want to learn about the business world, et cetera. And he was like, listen, you're going to, the, to your comfort zone areas. Um, if you really want to learn about business, you should come to Banca Poalim. Uh, here you'll see everything from you know upscale because we're touching everything. We're touching tech, we're touching finance, we're, you know, uh, the economic situation of Israel. Uh, and this is the best place to learn, uh, to learn it. And, and I'm like, okay, what am I going to do in Banca Polim? You know, I'm not coming from a financial background. I, I literally don't know anything about banks. And he's like, uh, come work with me, be my strategic consultant. Uh, and you'll see, you'll have a lot to do here and a lot to learn. So it was like really, you know, out of the blue. Um, but after a few days of thinking about it, I decided it's an amazing opportunity. I really appreciate it you know, the fact that he gave me this opportunity and that he wants me beside him and that he thinks that I can give him value, which was pretty surprising for me. 
Uh, and eight months after, because I had to do a lot of things in the industry before I left, eight months after, I found myself uh, working as a strategic consultant of the chairman of Banco Paulim. Day-to-day uh, work with the, uh, with the board of directors of the bank, a, a lot of, um, you know, presidential uh, work because the chairman of the bank is responsible for the strategy, responsible for the board, but he does a lot of things that, you know, from the outside of the bank, representing the bank in all kinds of different forums, events, and all of that. And it was literally a different world than I knew before. Uh, So uh, my first uh, journey at the business world was uh, as a strategic strategic consultant for the chairman of Banco Poli and working with him, with the board of directors, with the management. Uh, And I learned so much from that, uh, even though it was really a whole different world. Uh, And uh, about 10 months after... um, he uh, found out that he has cancer mm. uh, and uh, it went pretty quickly. And 10 weeks after uh, he passed away and it was really, really tragic. We were very close to one each other, uh, but I learned so much from him and from working on his side yeah. and actually from being with him pretty much until the last moment. Uh, and I really appreciated, you know, the fact that he believed in me and he wanted me to be, to be working with him. Uh, so when he became sick, uh, it was like the beginning of the COVID. Uh, the world has stopped. Uh, you know, no one knew where it's headed. The banks were like uh, with a lot of difficulties because of, you know, the loans. Uh, and eventually uh, I went to the CEO of the bank, uh, Dove, and told him, listen, I'm not going to be a burden on, on the bank. I'm, I don't know who is going to be the next chairman. I'm, I don't think I will continue my position. I did it really because I really was uh, connected to a dad. I, I admired him. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I will move forward. The plan was to go to the tech industry and that's okay. You know, I'll be okay. Um, and the, in the end of the converse, conversation, I told him, listen, but there are some segments of the bank where I feel I can really give, you know, an impact. And one of them is Polymtech, Polym High Tech, uh, the banking arm uh, of Banca Polym for the tech industry. And I think I could do a lot there because I'm connected to all the tech, uh, you know, leaders because of Unistream. We're working a lot of with, with the tech industry. Uh, I know the language. I feel that you know I'm able to do the job to, to take us to the next to the next uh, stage. Uh, and he thought about it and said, you know what, what, you know, go ahead. Uh, and you know, then uh, I started uh, working as a leader of Polymitech. Uh, in the meanwhile, I had a few months working with Ruben Krupik, who is, is the current chairman of Banco Polym, an amazing person. Uh, but uh, Polym High Tech was really a school for me because I learned everything about, you know, how startups really work, about investment. I was leading the investment uh, of the bank in, in uh, VCs as well. We had like a fund of funds program. So uh, a few months ago, I started my current position as the GM of Israel in Wix. Uh, Wix is an amazing success story of uh, the Israeli tech industry. There are a lot of, uh, you know, successful co- companies that were established by Israelis, but there's a few uh, like Wix, I mean, uh, the large scale that the company has came to, the number of users, uh, the, mon- the, the amount that the, the company has raised. Uh, and, you know, it became like a real large scale company. And I think, uh, you know, this journey uh, is going to learn me so much. Uh, so I'm responsible for the business activity in Israel. 
which means leading the partners activity, leading all kind of uh, potential enterprise deal, B2B, the marketing activity in Israel, and making sure that uh, our products are, you know, the best suitable for the Israeli users. Um, so, and besides that, I'm involved in a lot of uh, social activity. Eventually, I think that, you know, that's what most makes me happy to understand that I can create an impact and improve lives of others. Uh, and a part of that, I'm uh, leading the activity. I'm the chairman of the, of the NGO, Yosmotetid, which you mentioned before, and doing a lot of other social activity as well. Okay, yeah, and of course, the irony of all of this is that you are in Startup Nation and your technology is great, but yet on this call, we've had one um, tech snafu after another. So hopefully our message, your message will get out there loud and clear. Um, there's so much to unpack from what you said, Batsheva, and I would like to focus on a couple of them. First of all, the piece on mindset, because I think what really speaks to me in what you shared is, you know, you started from a place of giving a volunteerism, you kind of grew into positions that you didn't anticipate would even become open and relevant to you. And simultaneously, you kept having your eye or setting your sights on something bigger, whether that was moving into technology, the idea that you should be on the giving side rather than just on the, on the solicitation and collecting side. Talk about mindset a little bit. You could share, of course, about your own, but the idea of why it's so important for people to work on their mindset, why it's so important for people to think beyond their, as we would say in the Hebrew, their dalit amot, their, their four cubits, so to speak, of space, their little world in which they currently operate, and expand their thinking of not only what's possible, but where they want to ultimately wind up. Okay, um, I think that the first time I understood how lucky I am was when I moved to Akko. It, it's actually opened my eyes to understand that, you know, there, there are two sides of the coin. Uh, as you said, the ones that are giving, the ones that are receiving, or the ones that are understand, they have the mindset that I can do anything I want, and the ones that start, uh, tries to, you know, to finish the months. Um, and I understood that I have the ability to be on the giving side and I'm praying that I will continue to have this ability. Nothing is to, to be taken for granted. Everything could be changed today. And I learned that at ACO and I tell myself every day to understand that and to remember that because eventually I'm privileged. I received so much. Listen, I, you know, I, I, I have a great career. I have a great family. I have a great home. And it's really not to take in for granted. And as, as, you know, as long as I'm able to do for others, I'm trying to do my best because I understand that I received this present and I need to use it. So eventually it comes to uh, the state of mind, as you said, that I control my future. I control my life. You know, I'm a believing person, so I know that I'm not really controlling it, but I'm trying to do my best to take myself to the next stage or, or to, you know, to conquer the KPIs that I set for myself in the career aspect, in the family aspect, in self-fulfillment aspect. And there are so many people that are just living and don't feel that they can choose. They came to the situation in their life that they don't have a choice or they don't feel that they have a choice. And I think it's so important to understand this point. I, I give a, a lot of lectures to all kinds of populations 
and a lot to women and a lot to youth. And I'm always telling them that, that you know, you need to make sure in every step of the way that the, ch that the choice that you're making now will, it will bring you to the point that you have a choice in the next stage and you're not, you know, obligated to the, like the round, the tour, the, the, the scope that life has gave you. Yeah. It has to do with, it has to do with career. It has to do with economic uh, opportunities and every uh, other aspect of life, but we are not taught everything that I'm saying right, right now. No one talked to me about it when I was young. No one talked to me about it at school or at the university. I was just like, you know, moving from one step to another step and never had asked myself, you know, what will bring me the options in the future? What will make my LinkedIn profile so attractive that the recruiters will approach me and I wouldn't approach them? It's so important to understand how the world is, is working and how the, you know, the workforce is working and how the economic life is working. And I think that, you know, understanding that, I feel that I have, you know, the obligation to give all the others these opportunities and this knowledge about what I just said. Yeah, I know we, we haven't budgeted enough time to really go through everything. I mean, what you got here is hours, I think, of great conversation. Um, but I do want to focus on one point in particular. It's interesting because in my last podcast conversation, I was speaking with a woman uh, in England, uh, a young entrepreneur has done really, really well for herself. And uh, education came up because she's involved in trying to work on soft skills and other things related to the world of education. And I'm a former educator, former school leader, have all the advanced degrees, all that stuff. And as I've gone out of the world of education, I've learned so much about what, as wonderful as our schools are and as our teachers are and the work that we're doing, there's so much that we're not teaching or so much that maybe we should be teaching more of. Um, and I'm not talking about the stuff that's going on right now that's, that's all the, you know, the um, what's the word I'm looking for? The controversial things that are being integrated, at least in the United States. Um, I don't want to get started on that. It's definitely not a, uh, a point of pride for me, but what I am focusing on specifically are things like soft skills, mindset, you know, the ability to choose what choice really means, how you could change your future, how you can control your destiny. Obviously, I believe in God and I feel that that's, that's an important piece to factor into any conversation, but fundamentally, the things we do have implications and we're not victims of circumstance, at least every situation, even Viktor Frankl, right? Holocaust survivor writes about how, you know, you have, you have a stimulus, but you have a response to that stimulus and the, 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 the opportunity for choice is in that space in between, right? What can I do in response to what's going on around me and how could I influence it moving forward? So I, I think that's a very powerful message for everybody to hear. Right. You know, sometimes we think that we're kind of locked into a career path. We're locked into a lifestyle. We're locked into a, a set of circumstances. And we're kind of victims of that. You know, I grew up with, you know, parents that divorced at a very young age with a lot of tumult, as we'd say in Yiddish, a lot of fighting and back and forth and court and whatnot. It was not easy, but I didn't let that define me. And most people who have success in their lives allow themselves to think about and rise above whatever the challenges that, that they've encountered and continue to encounter because they know that there's an opportunity on the other side of this challenge. And so I want to thank you for bringing, you know, bringing that point out, making that point very clear. And, um, you know, I don't know if you want to add to that or, or yes, not, but I, wanna, but I think that that's, yeah, yeah go ahead. So I, I think it, it's evolves, uh, it involves the, the tech industry in Israel because eventually, um, 
many people are asking you know, what's happening in Israel that the tech industry is so successful. And I think one of the things is I'm putting aside the destruction situation that we have all the time, which makes us be more entrepreneurs, you know, and more adjustable to changes and all of that. And that's like a basic, a basic thing for the tech industry. But I think eventually uh, there are many people here that understand that, you know, they, they need to take action over life, over future, and they're not taking things. And that makes you able to like to, to accept the situation and ask yourself, what can I do in order to control it? What can I do in order to change it? And that's a mindset of entrepreneurs. And, you know, there's so many uh, uh, reasons for that. And we can talk more about Israel, but I think that eventually looking at what happens in, in the Israeli society, some of it because of the tech so successful period of time, people are talking about the gaps that are created, the new, you know, the new rich uh, generation of people that weren't raised in a rich uh, family but became rich, you know, at the age of like 25, out, out of the blue. Some of them are not the founders of the company or just like employees that received a lot of money and how that that will change uh, the society of, of Israel. And it will change. Definitely, it will impact. It, it is impacting already the society, the financial uh, situation. Uh, and that has a good aspect and a bad aspect. But eventually what I'm trying to say is that we need to be in the mindset of making the choices that will open the doors. But not only that, eventually the world is round, you know, and you know, you never know where you're going to end up. And I think uh, being a good person, trying to open the doors to others and understand that, you know, if you open the door, it, it's not taking from your success. It's just, you know, growing the success of others. I think, I think that's one of the reasons why the Israeli tech industry is so successful because people are, most of the people that I met throughout my different journeys, when I was leading the NGO of Unistream, everyone opened the door for me. Everyone wanted to help me help the teenagers all over Israel that came from underserved communities to become successful because they understood that it only makes them more. It only makes them more influential people and I think we need to keep this mindset. And the, the fact that, you know, in Israel, you can text, you can send a WhatsApp to any CEO or chairman of any, you know, leading tech uh, company, or not only banks as well, of course, and, and most of the companies in Israel, and he will answer you, even if he, he doesn't know you, you're no one, I mean, uh, everyone or someone, uh, that's amazing. And I think that even though, it, even though yeah. the, the, the classes were created in Israel because they're rich and they're not rich people. Uh, there are people with, you know, abilities and with uh, connections and there are people that are not. Even though you don't feel it on the day to day, everyone looks the same, dresses the same, goes to the same restaurants pretty much. And I hope that this situation will continue to be in Israel. We're like in a fraction now. It can go both ways. It's a dangerous period of time and everyone are talking about it these days uh, specifically but because they were like publish all kinds of uh, video show, uh, television shows regarding that. Uh, but eventually I think we should remember that and we should understand that first we can learn from ev everyone. And second, we never know what will happen tomorrow. So you said before, if, if there is something that, you know, I want to say to the world is this, I learned in ACO that I'm lucky and I, I need to say thank you every day, but I, I didn't give this, I didn't get this present for nothing. I, get, I got this present because, you know, I'm a, I'm a messenger. I need to use it for the best uh, side, the best efforts that I can. And eventually that's all that is matters because, you know, 
someday we will be out of the business, someday we will retire, someday we will be sick. And then we'll ask ourselves, you know, what did we really change in this world? And I hope that, you know, I could say my, to myself, I really, you know, left an impact over the Israeli society and not, and not only that. Okay, beautiful. So before we wrap up this segment, I've got two final questions for you. One of them relates since we're talking about startups and obviously startups in Israel in particular. And of course, it is a unique, it really is a unique country and a, and a unique culture. Uh, on so many levels. And again, a topic we could spend a lot of time on. And some of it is circumstantial, some of it is ideological, some of it is just, I don't know, a lot of really hardworking, innovative, good people. Um, but I'm curious to know about Sheva, from your perspective, what do you see as the biggest opportunities currently, as well as the biggest threats to startups? Yes. So uh, first of all, it, it's pretty obvious that we're heading, uh, we're heading um, a challenging time. We had like amazing two years in the tech industry all over the world and specifically in Israel, you know, the numbers were unbelievable. Uh, but it seems like it's going to go down a little bit and we don't know how much. If there is something that everyone has learned in the past two years that we cannot predict anything. So we should be humble. At the same time, we should be prepared to everything. And when we're in my former position as leading a Pauline high tech, we were giving a part of our you know, day to day is giving loans, uh, all kinds of specific loans to tech companies. And we were asking ourselves when when the bubble will be, you know, uh, will be ending, will this company have a lot of, enough money to go you know, through the a dry period? Technology will continue rising because because everything is based on that. Specifically, there are new markets. There are markets that weren't that are untapped yet. Even you know, in the United States, you feel like you know everything is so progressive. There are uh, third world uh, countries that you know uh, haven't seen a lot of the new technology that we're using uh, in the developed countries. And those markets, you know, it, most of the Israeli tech companies were targeting the U.S. and a little bit the U.K. and some of them Europe. But eventually there is India, there is Asia, there is China, you know, a whole world that we pretty much didn't touch yet. In, in addition to that, the threats are an opportunity if we're talking about cyber, if we're talking about blockchain, NFTs, the things that are, you know, a, a, are new or are right for the tech industry. This is an opportunity. There's so much new things that will need more and more technology if we're talking about the new financial situation, if we're talking about the new money, the new payment methodology, there are so many new things that you know will uh, will bring more and more tech companies to grow uh, and to strive. And I think uh, I think we didn't see the end; we're just at the beginning. So that's the opportunity side. And of course, sides are so many threats. And starting with the uh, with the capital markets, because eventually the the companies that has such a huge valuation needs to meet the money somehow somehow, and then meet the investors with the money. And now when the IPOs went so down, everyone are afraid to go to an IPO, they will have a challenge because eventually they will need to raise more money. And a company that is a, is a private company and valued was about uh, $8 billion. It will be very hard to be sold because not many uh, companies can buy it's such a valuation and it will be very hard to do an IPO at that valuation. So I expect that we'll see downrounds, unfortunately, with those companies. And I hope, you know, the situation will turn 
out to be okay eventually, but I think that this year is going to be really challenging for those companies. Okay, well, hopefully they will get through it with minimal damage. Uh, my last question in this segment, and I ask all of my guests because we all make mistakes, even though your, 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 uh, your journey almost sounds like a fairy tale on some level. Um, but Sheva, what was the biggest mistake you've made so far in your career and, how, and what have you learned from it? Yeah, first of all, it really isn't a fairy tale. Uh, and I am working hard and I made a lot of mistakes and I had very difficult times, uh, like everyone has. And I think uh, just one thing before I answer you is that I always think about what Oded told me, you know, take, get out of your uh, comfort zone. Even my current position, eventually I'm not a tech person. I'm not coming from technology. And learning all of that, learning a new company, learning a new, uh, you know, a, a new language is so hard. It takes so much effort. Uh, but I tell myself, listen, if you want to develop, if you want to go far, you need to, to be there all the time, even though it's scary. It's really scary. It's important to say that. When I look at my career, I say, eventually, uh, we're talking about it before, I didn't get any instruction about how to build your own strategy of life. And the first mistake that I think I've made is my academic uh, studies. Eventually, I was a very good student at high school. I had uh, my, um, uh, my psychometry test. I had a very high score. I could get accepted to everything in Israel and probably a lot in the United States as well. But I asked myself, okay, what am I going to study? What am I going to do when I will be a grown up? And no one knew, you know, no one instructed me, how do I make this choice? So eventually I went to, I started at Barilan. I went to Barilan and I got into, you know, courses to listen. And I said, okay, that sounds interesting. I'll, I'll take that. So I was studying on my BA uh, communication and human science, which is, I don't know how to explain it even. And eventually finishing my BA or actually a year after I started, I understood that the day after, it's, it's nice, it's interesting, but it's not really opening any doors for me. And I think that's, I spent five and a half years at a university and eventually, I think university is really important, but it didn't give me anything for my career. And five and a half years is a lot. And I know that if I start over again, if, if I will have the ability you know, to go backwards, First of all, definitely I will start, I will learn something about technology. It's so important and people don't understand that it's really a language. And if you don't have it since you're young, it's really hard, you know, to, to catch up. Uh, and something that's more business oriented in addition to that. Uh, but I think that's a mistake. Even though I'm okay and everything is okay, I could do better. Okay. Uh, I could be smarter. <laughs> we all could. We all could. But thank you for sharing that. And uh, for so, as someone who spent many years in school as well, I can definitely relate to the importance of making good choices there. So let's transition to rapid fire. The answers are short. And I'd love to get, you know, sort of like your insight on some interesting things. First one is three qualities of top websites. Three qualities of top, top websites? Top websites, uh, yes. Okay, uh, good SEO. Mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, creating a high conversion uh, is based on looking very, very good, being very, very focused, not too much information, not too much images, uh, and looking, as far as I see, clean, clean and professional. Nice. Three reasons why people should be volunteering more often. Uh, I think we earn much more than we give. 
we learn much more than we teach and because we have to. The thing that most people don't know about Israelis. Uh, I think Israelis are very kind people, uh, caring people, and all the chutzpah stuff is on the good side and not on the bad side, like people likes to you know, present us. Okay, and finally, a productivity tip that helps you to get more done. Uh, pick up the phone, text the text, and don't overthink, don't overplan, just do. I think that many people are planning, 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 writing spreadsheets, spreadsheets, and eventually are not delivering. And, and when you touch in your own hand, even though if you're leading a huge company, but eventually you're doing by yourself a lot, you will be much more effective than only like, you know, telling others and planning and asking. Nice. So how could people connect with you, learn more about your work and, and just be inspired more about what you're doing? Uh, so I will talk, I was talking before about giving, uh, I answer everyone always in every media, if it's a WhatsApp, if it's phone call, or if it's a LinkedIn or Facebook, I believe that, you know, I can learn and, uh, and receive from everyone that is approaching me. I'm giving lectures, uh, for everyone that are asking me to come every kind of organization. Uh, and, you know, I love to meet people. I'm curious about people. And I think, Again, I can receive much more than I give. So for me, it's an opportunity and it's a present and I'm, I like presents. So leave us just, you know, Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Just text me and I'm, I'm always responding. Awesome. All right. So we've had a really great conversation. Thank you so much for everything you've shared. Uh, I will ask though, as I think I shared with you earlier, I love to end with a final life lesson. Please leave us with something to think about as we wrap up. Um, so I think that eventually if everything will end for me today, uh, I will be left with the question, you know, what did I live here in this world? And that has to do with everything I said before, you know, uh, making sure that I'm thinking uh, about other than myself, larger things than my own career, life, family, and being a good person, even if you feel in the top of, you know, of the pyramid, eventually one day you'll be on the other side and remember that and as long as you live good you know good spirit good things good good deeds with others i believe that you will benefit for that even if you don't see why it's good for you now it will be good for you in the future that's beautiful well thank you for sharing that and thank you for being here on this episode it was really a pleasure uh speaking with you getting to know you hearing your story uh really a lot to think about and a lot to learn from so um, thank you for giving me the opportunity to discuss this with you. You should have continued success in every regard. And um, I look forward to getting to know you better over time. Thank you for having me. It was great. Bye-bye now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you can lead to succeed. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Your feedback gives the show more social proof and encourages more folks to listen. 